Hi, I'm Richard Epcar. You might know me as Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Thunder, take you. Or the Joker. <laughs> Welcome to Fandom Squad Podcast. Hey everyone, this is going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad podcast. I have a special co-host this week, my best friend Ryan. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Doing good. Thank you for being here. I know you're happy to be our special guest before I spoil it. Awesome guest this week, Mr. Richard Epcar. How's it going, man? That's going great. How are you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, the first thing I wanted to ask you, I know a lot of people who start in voiceover, they, um, they, you know, they get started regular acting. Did you, did you start acting or did you just do voiceover alone? No, I am an actor and I, I came to uh, Los Angeles to do on-camera work. And I did a, quite a bit of that, actually. I did a lot of soaps and TV shows and that sort of thing. And uh, it's actually my wife got me into the, the voice business. Uh, we were we were working on a project and then she was doing a movie for this company and they had another movie that they they uh, didn't like the voices of some of the actors in the movie so they wanted to replace their voices so they had auditions and she said could my boyfriend come with me to the audition they said sure so i went in there and the guy said have you done this before i said oh yeah i've done it a million times i never did it before in my life and uh i went in there and i did it and i nailed it and i think part of the reason i nailed it was uh because I, I'm also a drummer, uh, along being an actor, so oh, cool. uh, there's a certain ry- rhythm to this stuff when you when you dub and you have to lip sync. There's a rhythm to it. So uh, I took to it like a duck to water, and they really liked me and cast me in the lead of that thing. And then I got a bunch of more jobs from that. And from that, I went to a show called Robotech, which was an anime that was on national uh, network television and blew up. And then from that, I've not stopped doing voice work for 40 some years now so it's just been crazy and i've i've done over 1200 characters in games and animation and anime so it's pretty nuts oh, that is awesome yeah i know you and rob paulson are kind of got the same way you both did the adr and then got into voice and you both are got these massive catalogs and i was showing yeah. a buddy at work and they were like yeah they're like i was like, they're like what all has he done i'm like well we a lot of people know him as raiden from mortal kombat but he's done all this anime and they're like wow over like 1200 credits it's crazy yeah, it is crazy rob's a great guy i love rob he is one of the nicest men in show business yes yeah, so, uh, we're working on uh, i'm talking to his uh his pr agent uh Lori, right now as well so yeah okay, hopefully cool. to get him because he's a uh, just like you he's a childhood voice hero of, of ours <laughs> oh, very cool yeah no rob's a great guy he's a wonderful guy so from there, from like your first animes and stuff, how did, you know, how did that role go in from getting in, you know, the anime roles into turning into video games? Because I know the video game voiceover is a lot different than, you know, the regular animation uh, voiceover. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, it's all acting, basically, you know, and it just depends on the style of whatever it is you're doing. There's games that are, you know, they're very different and it just depends on if they want it more naturalistic, if they want it more uh, presentational over the top. It just depends on what it is. So, you you know, if you're an actor, you're a good actor, you just jump in and, and you do your thing. Uh, I did a lot of anime and uh, and uh, voice replacement stuff 
on a lot of films. I also wrote and directed a lot of ADR for uh, Academy Award-winning foreign films. I did a lot of that stuff, and then I got into uh, uh, directing a lot of anime and doing a lot of that stuff. And then eventually I got... Uh, I got in, I broke through to the uh, video game world and, and I've just been doing tons and tons and tons of uh, video games now, which is, which is great. I, I really enjoy that because first of all, you're not, uh, most of the time you're not lip syncing, you're, you're creating a character and you go in and you do the character and then they animate it to your voice tracks. Whereas when you're dubbing, you're trying to, you know, match the lip flaps on the character that's already drawn or is it live action? You're trying to match their lip flaps. It's a it's a much different style of acting, and uh, it's you know obviously it's a lot freer when you can just create the character and not worry about that other stuff. Awesome. Now, can you tell us uh, that experience for people who don't know who know like you know the process of overdubbing? Can you explain like how that works? Like from like like a normal reading a script versus you know overdubbing something to how the you know I know there's a difference with like the beep sounds that do. Can you explain that process for people who don't know the behind the scenes of how that works? Well, you know, it's for example, uh, you know, every movie has ADR to it, which is automated dialogue replacement. That's what ADR stands for. And uh, whether it's uh, even even English American movies, you have to ADR some stuff. Sometimes they'll shoot a scene in a field, and maybe a plane will fly over some, and it's a western, so you can't have that. So you have to have come come back and and redo your lines. Now, a lot of times they call that looping. A lot of times when they go in, they'll just redo their lines that's in the script. But when you're doing foreign films, obviously uh, English is not going to match what they're saying. But you have to say the gist of what they're saying in the other language, and it has to look like they're speaking English. So that has to be adapted. And what they do, they take that dialogue and they try to give it the gist of what the what the actor is actually saying in his own language. But they're going to make it look like it fits in his mouth in English. So we go in there and we 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 read uh, voice those characters. And uh, you know, the, you mentioned the beeps. Uh, when I started out in this business, there were no beeps. There were no pro tools. There were none, none of that stuff. We basically, I call it combat dubbing. We had to go in there and uh, you'd see a time code and then you'd have to try to grab the line as people were, were doing it. So, you know, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I just actually did this big project. I have this three picture deal with uh, Netflix where I do the lead in these three movies with this guy. Uh, they're Turkish films and they're kind of uh, action movies. And, uh, it's pretty cool. The, the The first one is called 10 Days of Good Man, and it's on Netflix right now. The one we just uh, finished working on was 10 Days of a Bad Man. And then I don't know what the third one's called, 10 Days of a Mediocre Man or something. I don't know <laughs> what the third one's called. But it's a, it's a series of three films, and they're really cool films and a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm re-voicing the lead guy because he's speaking Turkish so for a lot of your work do you uh naturally just use your natural voice or do you do like um do impressions of certain people because I know a lot of times a lot of voice people they take different people of voices and kind of make this own voice or do you kind of use your more natural voice for your roles that you have well it, it depends on on what I'm doing you know it depends on what I'm doing uh if it's like for example this one uh one character that I just did he is uh, he's kind of in my my ballpark as far as his voice. So I just use my regular voice. But yeah, it depends on the character. I mean, obviously, if uh, you know, I'm doing the 
the Joker or one of those characters, I'm not going to use my regular voice. You know, he's going to be a completely different sound. And, uh, you know, it just depends on who the character is. Now, a lot of times uh, we go in and uh, if they can show me a picture of the character, uh, you know, that helps a lot. Then I can uh, come up with a voice for that that character. Uh, if they don't have a picture, then a lot of times they have a description of the character in the script. So you look at that and you try to imagine what that guy would sound like. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully you have a director that's that's a good director that'll work with you and try to help you find the voice that's right for that character. But yeah, I, you know, when I first started out, most of the characters I did were my regular voice. And I did a lot of hero characters. I did a lot of villains, that sort of thing. Uh, now, uh, I'm I'm very happy and fortunate that I get to do a variety of characters. And I'm not limited at all to my normal voice. And I can play all kinds of different characters. And so it's really a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy being able to uh, be creative and and do all kinds of come up with all kinds of different voices. So that's, that's fun too. Especially, you know, having that music background, although uh, I don't know if you have any characters that sing, cause I know a lot of times they're like, Hey, if you can do voices and you're a musician, a lot of times, if you can sing as that character, that's a bonus for them. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had to do that on, on a few occasions. And uh, the one that comes to mind right now is uh, the character in Digimon, Edamon, who was the uh, Elvis character. I don't know if you remember uh, Digimon, but he was yes. an Elvis character and he sang and he uh, and he was just a lot of fun. And I had a ball playing him. He was really fun. I also did my Otis Mon in that as well. But uh, but uh, Edamon was a lot of fun because he because I got to sing and it was really fun. And I've been in a lot of bands, you know, and that sort of thing. So I always get to to sing and do rock and roll and that sort of thing. So I enjoy that a lot. Awesome. Now, can you tell us the, the difference? Because I know you said you were a voice director too. Can you tell us like, tell the audience like sort of that, you know, being an actor versus like a, a voice director and like what the different roles are, especially for a director for that side of things? Because I know a lot of people get a voice well, director and a regular director confused a lot. Well, you know, the voice director is the one who's directing the sessions when you go in and do voice work. And basically, uh, a director in any situation is kind of the uh, we'll call him the uh, the puzzle master he kind of puts the puzzle together puts all the pieces together so that it fits in a cohesive way and it works uh, it works you know from the from the plot uh, the uh, the actor is just one of those puzzle pieces you know so the actor comes in he plays his part but the director, you know, a good director directs you and, and gives you uh, the context of what's going on in the scene. A lot of times we go in, uh, in all of the games and in all of the anime that we do, we do not see the scripts ahead of time. We see we only see the scripts when we go into the, to the booth. So you have to basically what, what we call cold read a performance when you do that. And uh, hopefully you have a good director who can kind of give you the context of what's happening in the scene so you know what's going on, so you know how to play the the, the lines um but the director is the basically has control of the project and he oversees the project where the actors uh one piece of the project you know so that's basically the difference they're both they're both very creative jobs and i love doing them both and there's times where i'm directing for a long period of time and i really miss performing and then there's times where i'm only performing and i really miss directing so I've been really lucky. I've been able to do both and I do writing as well. So I've been doing a lot of stuff and I'm always, always working and always busy. That is so cool. Now, do a lot of people um, 
do they like it that you are a voice actor when they when they come in doing a when you're directing them is it a better dynamic being a voice actor yourself as a director or do, is it kind of vice versa of a, depending on if they like you know the director be a voice actor themselves or not well i i don't think it's it's you know, absolutely essential that a director be an actor, but I think it, it really helps a director to be an actor because the, the director then knows what the actor is going through, what they're experiencing, what their situation is, and the director can communicate with the actor as an actor. So he he knows what's what words to say, essentially. He can communicate, I think, a little more efficiently with an actor because he's been in that same position and he knows what he can say to get what he needs out of that actor so i think it's it's definitely a, a big advantage to have a director who is an actor also but like i say it's not it's not you know essential you know steven spielberg's not an actor you know but he's a great director so you know it just it, it depends you can still be a great director and not be an actor but i think honestly um it, it's it's helpful I think it's really helpful, you know, to to be able to do both. Yes, for sure. Now, do you have a question? Do you have anything that you come up with for a question? I've just been uh, just been kind of enjoying just sitting here and just learning off of him and hearing what he's got to say about me. <laughs> yeah, he like I said, I'm usually the host. He's this is his first episode co-hosting, so I was like, I'll I'll take the roads. If you got a question, just let me know, and you can just butt in. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Now, I will say, because this is regarding some video game news, I know that uh, there was a leak. Well, it wasn't really even a leak. It was just somebody over at Warner Brothers talking about their list of things that, you know, was coming out later on. Um, I just wanted to see if you, I know you probably have a, a non, you know, a non-disclosure agreement going on, but can you confirm whether or not you are working on anything with Warner Brothers? No, I can't confirm anything gotcha. about Warner Brothers. No I can't say anything about that, unfortunately. But uh, oh no, you're fine. I, like I said, if, if if you if you don't if you can't say, then you can't say. So yeah, I can't say it. And they they are very very touchy about that stuff. So I really can't say anything about that. I figured they um, would be. So yeah, well, more so than some. But uh, <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, you know, it's fine. It's their it's their deal. Uh, but yeah, I don't really honestly know anything that's going on right now with uh, with that. So I can't really comment on it. And uh, even if I did know something, I couldn't really comment on it anyway. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> so with, with your different characters, I know uh, you said you come up with the ones on the spot when you see art. So what was your approach? You said you voiced the Joker in the new games yeah. as well. How did you, because I know every person who's done the Joker has a different take or how they came about. What was your approach to, you know, take a new take on this iconic character who's done, you know, to make it different from, you know, Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson to make it your own? What was your process of making this your own Joker? That actually was a question I was going to ask as well. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I get asked that a lot and and it's an interesting uh, question because I know the Joker is, is just a super popular character. Um, the way that whole thing came about was I got a call one day from Bridget Burdeen, who was the casting director uh, for Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. And that was about 15 years ago. So I've been playing those characters for 15 years now. Um, she brought me in and they had Warner Brothers on the horn. They had a NetherRealm studio on the horn who produces all of the uh, Mortal Kombat and Injustice games. And then they had uh, DC Comics on the horn. And uh, 
she basically said to me, Richard, they want you to audition for all of the DC characters, and they want you to audition for all of the uh, the Mortal Kombat characters. So uh, I said, great. And I got to say, it was one of the most fun auditions I've ever had in my life, because it was like being a kid in a, in a candy store. You know, I got to, you know, play Superman and Batman, all these crazy characters. Uh, and then I, I did uh, Raiden, and I really liked Raiden a lot. I thought he was a great character. And then when they asked me to do the Joker, this voice just came out of me in this laugh. And I honestly don't know where it came from, because I never tried to do the Joker. I never tried to do anything uh, about the Joker. And it just, this voice came out, and the laugh came out, and they they loved it. So the first one I did, it was kind of funny because everyone accused me of trying to sound like Mark Hamill. And I know Mark's done it for a long time and he's very, very popular uh, as the Joker and people love him. And uh, uh, I got somebody online and saying, you're, you're trying to sound like Mark Hamill. I said, well, thank you for the compliment because I perceive that as a compliment. <laughs> I said, but honestly, to this day, and this is still true, I have not heard Mark's Joker. I've never heard Mark Hamill's Joker. So when I wrote that back online, Mark Hamill came on and said, well, I've heard yours and I think it's great. So I thought that was really, really sweet of him and really nice of him to do that. Oh, that um, is amazing. He, yeah, he certainly didn't have to do that. He, he's just, he's a really good guy. And uh, I did one other movie with him. Uh, it was a Robotech movie that we did uh, called Shadow Chronicles. And he was in that and I uh, co-directed that and played uh, uh, the lead uh, character in that, Captain Vince Grant. But anyway, getting back to Joker. So um, that voice just came out of me. And then I purposefully did not want to hear anybody else's Joker. I did not want to be influenced. And honestly, uh, when you're playing a character as an actor, you're not trying to play an actor playing a character. You're playing that character. So, you know, if you if you were, and I, I absolutely hate it. You know, commercials do this a lot. We want you to sound like so-and-so. I always feel like saying, well, why don't you hire so-and-so, you know? Because I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And if you like the way I'm going to do it, hire me. Otherwise, hire the guy that you like, that you want it to sound like. Because I'm not going to do an impersonation of another actor doing a character. You know what I mean? I just, I, I just to me, that's like the worst acting ever, you know? So uh, anyway, I, I don't like doing those kinds of jobs. And I, I usually turn them down. But uh Anyway, uh, I don't know how I uh, came to uh, to that voice. It just came to me, and I feel like he's gotten better over the years. And uh, and uh, I thought in uh, Mortal Kombat 11, he really really came together and was just terrific. And I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm really solid on him now. And I would love to do more of him. I'd love to do a series with uh, you know me doing the Joker. That would be great. But uh, who knows? You know, who knows? It's it's a crazy business, and a lot of times it's a crapshoot. You know what I mean? So. I've been very, very fortunate over the years. I've been uh, working nonstop, and uh, a lot of uh, actors and directors can't say that. So I'm I'm one of the lucky ones. So I'm very lucky and uh, very thankful and grateful for all of the the work and the, the the you know the the characters I've been able to play. It's been it's been my my pleasure and my joy. That is amazing. Now, when you got you know when they called you in to do the the games and stuff, did you? already know about you know the the fan base of the games you know the the impact or the you know the how popular these characters were before you voiced them or <laughs> i i had no idea and this is another crazy uh, this is another one that i i replaced somebody on it was kingdom hearts 
And the original Kingdom Hearts had Billy Zane in the first one. He played Ansem. Well, they the, the way they hired me to play Ansem, now this is funny because, you know, I've done over 1,200 characters. Well, I can count the time on one hand of the times I've been hired without auditioning. So all those 1,200 characters, I had to audition for all those characters pretty much. So anyway, uh, I was hired to play Ansem without an audition. And the reason for that was that the guy who plays after after Billy Zane, for whatever reason, wasn't going to do another one. Um, the guy who plays Bateau in Ghost in the Shell in Japan uh, does the voice of Ansem in Kingdom Hearts. So the uh, producers, the Japanese producers, asked the Disney producers, who does the voice of Bateau in America? And they said, Richard Epcar. So uh, they cast me, basically. And uh, I'll tell you a quick, funny story about that. So uh, I went in to do the, uh, the, the second game. And there was six uh, Japanese producers in the booth and six producers from Disney. And uh, every time I would do a line, the engineer would come on the talk back and go, just a minute. And then they would all talk amongst themselves for five minutes and they'd come back and say, can you do that a little faster? So I did the line a little faster. They go, just a minute. And they would talk amongst themselves for five minutes and come back on the line and say, can you do that a little slower? And this went on all day long. And I was like ready to jump off a cliff. And finally, <laughs> we had a break and I pulled the engineer aside. I said, how did Christopher Lee put up with that? He said, oh, they did it to him once. And he said, all right, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this. I'm going to read this script from the top to the bottom, and then I'm going home. And I thought that was that was hilarious and brilliant, and I wish I could have done that. Now I've done eight of them, so they leave me alone finally. But, uh, but uh, you know, it was kind of funny. So anyway, to your point, I was at a convention in Chicago, and uh, what happened was, I'm going to get my phone out too because I want to plug some of these conventions I'm going to be going to. Uh, yeah definitely sure do that we definitely want to promote that if you have links we'll put them in the show notes too yeah absolutely i do um but anyway i was at this convention in chicago and i know it. i i knew i'd done ansem and i know that people you know like kingdom arts i had no idea it was that big but anyway this young lady comes up to me and she said would you pop in and say hi to my panel i said well what's your panel she said we're doing a kingdom arts panel at midnight i said at midnight she goes yeah i said well I'll probably be asleep by then. But I said, if I'm awake, uh, give me the, you know, the information. So anyway, I went back to my room and I was, you know, I was laying in bed and I looked over at the clock and I was wide awake and it was midnight. So I called my handler up. I said, can you get me to this, this panel? They just want me to pop in and say hi. She said, sure. You know, I expect there'd be like 10, 15 people. I go in there. There must've been a thousand people in the, crammed into this room. And when they announced me, they were like screaming like the Beatles had just walked in the room. And I was going, what the hell? It was like so bizarre. <laughs> and then I said one line from the game or something. And then they went nuts for, you know, just applauding and screaming. It was unbelievable. And then they all wanted me to sign autographs. So I, it took me like two hours to get out of the room because I'm signing everybody's, you know, program and everything. And I had no idea. I, it was just, it was so funny. And the handler was like, even she was like blown away by the whole thing. But uh, it was, it was, uh, I mean, that that's when I kind of dawned on me. Wow, these, these things really are popular, aren't they? <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of fun. But yeah, you know, I've, I've, I'm in so many games now. It's crazy. I'm in so many franchises and uh, it's great. I just, I love being part of a lot of these things, you know. 
And now with that, you know, with that interaction, I know a lot of times because these people spend so much time with these characters and how evolved they get in their lives. Have you had any, you know, at these conventions, people come up to you and like tell you like your character, you know, Mortal Kombat or your character in Final Fantasy, you know, they are Kingdom Hearts, you know, they how it impacted their life in a way that you didn't expect from just voicing this this character? Well, I still have people coming up to me about Robotech saying that they joined the military because of Robotech, which is interesting. And then I I, I do have a lot of people uh, that come up to me, and I, I can't remember the specific uh, shows, but they do say, you know, I was going through a real rough period, and the only thing that helped me make it through was was this show and your character and and that makes you feel good you feel like wow i'm i'm doing more than just you know voicing cartoons Uh, i'm i'm impacting people's lives and and helping people on a certain level so i mean you know you're entertaining people but sometimes people are you know they need something and they and they can find that that help through you know a show you've done and, and that makes you feel great you feel like wow i'm i'm doing something you know beneficial for somebody you know so that's oh yeah nice. and yeah. it's it's one of those things like it's when i interviewed h john Bender of bob's burgers and he it's one of my comfort shows me and my wife and it was one of those you know getting to talk to him it was you know that that's like the show is like oh you you help me fall asleep and like your voice i hear it all the time and you know getting to talk to him was just great you know this is why i do bring guys like you on and people you know voice actors on this show to you know everybody yeah. knows your characters yeah. but you know, get to know you and get to know you guys as, you know, just as people and not just these characters and show that, you know, well, you care about the fans. Some people uh, can't differentiate between you and your characters, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, it's a little scary too. And you, th- you think that it's like, you know, they are cartoons, you know, it's. <laughs> oh yeah. All I can think but, about yeah, is he... like death threats being sent to some people because of their characters. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> take it uh, down just a notch you know like like yeah, uh like laura uh, bailey for uh, the last of us too got death threats and i don't know it's, it's like you said people need to learn how to separate the character from the you know the, the voice actor you know yeah, art from the artist yeah. in some cases yeah we 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 go in and we read a script so it's not we're not making up these you know these characters we're not making up the dialogue so we're we're interpreting these scripts so yeah it's kind of crazy that people get so attached to it, but some people can't, like I say, can't differentiate between us and the characters. It's funny. You, you mentioned, uh, uh, H John Benjamin. He, uh, I was just at a convention this last weekend and they had an entire cosplay group who dressed up as Bob's burgers. And I took a picture. If you look on my page, you'll see that picture. Yes. I've seen guys. that. Uh, and they, they look, they, they look great. Yeah. So that was really fun. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, he's, he's great. I love his work and he's a lot of fun. He's, uh, but interestingly enough, he pretty much uses his same voice in everything he does, right? Oh yeah, I mean, we, we talked about in the conversation about the, the joke that he made on Family Guy where it's, he's doing stand-up as the character they have him doing. And he's like, hi, I'm Archer from Archer and I'm Bob from Bob. And it's like, yeah. I, I actually, he's like, yeah, I made that joke to them. And then they're like, hey, we can actually animate that and put it in the show. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's just Archer is H. John Benjamin, but, you know, he's got swagger. And then Bob is H. John Benjamin, but he's really depressed, pretty much. <laughs> I love when they did the crossover. Did you see that when uh, Archer yes. wakes up and he's he's at, he's at Barb's Burgers and they have all the characters there? I thought that was incredible. I love that crossover. Oh, yeah. And he's one of the ones that... I'm a huge Archer fan. As you can see, I'm a big James Bond fan. I love anything 
anything with spies and that kind of stuff. And in fact, I'm writing a book right now that's a spy thriller, and I'll be done with it in a, in a month or two, and I'll be uh, promoting that pretty soon, too. Yeah, let me know when you're ready to promote. And like I said, every guest is always welcome back. If you want to come on and promote the book, oh, I definitely have you come back on. That'd be it. awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. They, I, they've already stole my title. You're not going to believe this. The name of my book was uh, uh, No Time to Die. And that, and the Bond, the Bond franchise stole my title, even though I'd had that title for years before. They still stole my title, those rats. So now I can't use that title anymore. Oh man! But it shows you how plugged I am, and I'm so plugged into that franchise that I, I came up with the title of the movie. Now, one thing I want to ask you too. I know since you started, you know, 15 years ago doing these some of these characters, and you know, you started voiceover way before that. What is your experience? Yeah. Have you always done like solo recordings or were you, did you also do some of the group recordings as well? Cause I know some actors I've talked to have only done single and some have done both uh, with groups and single by themselves. No, I've done both and I've directed both. And uh, you know, it's really fun when you can do it's, it's more rare to do the group recordings. Those are, those are the old fashioned ways of doing it. And the old time cartoons, I used to do it that way. Uh, and it's more like a radio show, you know, and you have everybody there, which nice is you get to react off of everybody else doing during their voices and all that. So that's that's wonderful to be able to do that. We did uh, Legend of Korra. We recorded it like that. We had uh, everybody in the booth and recorded it like that. And it was just a, a, a real joy to work like that. Um, unfortunately, because everybody's so busy now it's really hard to get everybody together at the same time. So even, even the original animation stuff, they record sometimes uh, just one person at a time in the booth. So, you know, and then they, they put it together and when they put it together, it sounds, you know, if the director and the actor have done their job, it sounds pretty seamless. It sounds like they're talking to the other character and all that stuff. And it's just, it's incredible when, you know, when you think about it, because, you know, everything's recorded separately and then it's pieced together and it sounds seamless. So it's, it's kind of nice. So with, you know, doing the group ones that you've done before, do you have any stories of like any like celebrities or any like famous people that you did a voice? I know Robbie has a story about meeting little Richard on a, a Animaniacs episode. Do oh, you have any, cool. any stories? Yeah, I, I, like uh, that? I've met a, I met a lot of, in, in Legend of Korra, we had a lot of people. We had like Faustino, we had Janet Varney, uh, Mindy Sterling, who's a doll. She's an absolute doll. And uh, uh, the guy that kind of, you know, usually I don't get, uh, you know, fanboyish, you know, but uh, uh, Stephen Root was uh, guest starring that, that uh, episode. And I just a huge fan of his work. He's an incredible actor and a wonderful voice actor. And, uh, I just uh, really, you know, I kind of gushed on him a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think he appreciated it and he was happy, but uh, yeah, I usually like, I usually don't do that. I, I've had to direct a bunch of people uh, for an original uh, animated film called The Reef. And we had a lot of big stars. We had Freddie Prince Jr. We had, uh, uh, what's his name? Reese Davies, Jonathan Reese Davies. Uh, we had um, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. We had uh, Fran Drescher, who tried to rewrite the entire script, <laughs> which was which was interesting. Uh, who's yeah? She's now our president of Screen Actors Guild. But, oh my yeah, gosh! She, she wanted to rewrite the entire script, and uh, it was kind of funny because the guy who wrote the script was sitting next to me, and he was not happy at all. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, 
I got to direct a lot of those guys. Oh, uh, uh, Army Early or Early Army, whatever the name was, the guy who was the Full Metal Jacket uh, was was one of the guys. He was great. Uh, um, God, who else do we have? We had so many wonderful uh, actors in this thing. It was just great. A lot of great. And I and I voiced something in it too. I play a character named Mo, who was a lot of fun. And uh, that was a crazy, crazy. Uh, show it was just crazy we had a a crazy studio head guy who basically didn't want to let uh the uh, company who was uh, doing the the project he didn't want to let them put the the project together he kept telling me i'm doing them a favor i'm doing them a favor and i'm thinking well you're not doing them a favor if they can't have a project after they get through recording all this stuff so I had to basically bribe the uh, engineer to go in there and watch all the stuff down and kind of cut it together. So we had a, we had a story. And uh, the other thing is they, they recorded everything. I, this is kind of uh, silly. I'm even mentioning this stuff, but they recorded everything wild. So I had to kind of go search through everything to try to piece it together. They were supposed to do it on a grid. When you do, when we record uh, in groups like that, you're supposed to record on a, on a grid so you can find everything and you can piece it together easily. Well, they recorded everything wild. We had like five or six different engineers on that project and it went on for many days. And so I was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. You know, you go down the script, but we got to find this line. Where's this line? And you go through the whole thing and try to find the line and you put that. Th it's kind of like building Legos, you know? So anyway, I was able to put the thing together, but oh my God, was it, it was a nightmare. That whole thing was crazy, but it came out really well. I'm, I'm very proud of that project. That's amazing. Now, one, one thing that I always ask every voice actor, because he's a big inspiration of mine, and I always ask if you have any stories with him. Have you worked with Frank Welker? Because I know he doesn't do a lot of these interviews, and I'm trying to get him. Have you worked with Frank, or do you have any stories never, of working with Frank? I have never worked with Frank Welker, unfortunately. I know he's a lovely guy. He's a very super successful voice actor. He's done a ton of stuff. I know he basically can call his own shots at this point and and does whatever the hell he wants to do, which is great. And I'm I'm getting closer to that myself. Uh, I have worked with Peter Cullen. I mean, I have met Peter Cullen and had uh, drinks with him, and he's a he's a wonderful, lovely guy. So I have I've worked with uh, with Optimus, but not uh, you know Megatron. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, one of these days, maybe we'll we'll get in there. I, I he's probably going to retire at some point soon. I don't who knows, but uh, oh, I know I was talking with Mindy uh, Mindy Cohen uh, years yeah. a couple years back, and she was talking about how she first heard him when she walked in the booth and seen him do the animal and different noises when they were doing Scooby Doo. Yeah, and she was like, "It is just." She's like, "If you ever want to know what it was like, and what she's like from her, she's like, if you ever want to know seeing like what people saw Mel Blank do back in the day." frank was doing for them in the modern age yeah yeah he uh and that's another that's a whole other specialty and uh he and and d bradley baker are the other two people that come to mind that that do those incredible animal sounds and honestly i i think it's wonderful they're incredible at it it's not my thing it's not my forte i don't even really want to pursue it i don't care about it to be honest with you i i i care more about uh, uh meaty dialogue and acting and that sort of thing but they and i believe me i'm not saying that as a put down at all they're they're incredible at what they do and they're very creative and wonderful and i i uh it's just not my my thing at all but uh 
Yeah, they're great. And, you know, I'll get some auditions sometimes, you know, they'll say, we want you to come up with uh, some voices for aliens and make up your own language and all that crap. And it's just like, I just, uh, I, it just doesn't excite me in the least. It's just not my thing at all. <laughs> I just don't do that stuff. So I kind of turn that stuff down. But I think uh, that you have a, a very uh, unique voice as well. Oh, I think, thank you. Thank you. I really do. And I, I think, I think that's um, like, one of my favorite things is like whenever I am playing a video game or something, I can instantly recognize you. So, I mean, I personally don't think that you would even have to pursue something like that because like I was playing <laughs> Skyrim recently and I was like, Oh, oh there's God. Richard Epcar talking to me right yes. there. <laughs> I'm 30 different characters in Skyrim. <laughs> oh yeah. Because yeah, I, I heard you quite characters. a few times. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually one of the guys that said, uh, I used to be an adventurer like you took right. it until I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> so I'm one of those guys. But, you know, what's funny about Skyrim is uh, when they hired me to do that, because I, as I was saying, uh, most of the characters I've done over the years have been heroes or villains. They cast me to play all the cowards, which was really fun. I mean, I play all of these, these you know, simpling, you know, cowardly horrible people and it was a blast because it was so different than just about anything i've uh, really done in the past so it was just really fun to 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 play those kinds of characters who are just like you're really simper you know all the time and uh whiny and it was just it was great fun i really loved it i went uh we went you know they have the big uh convention here i'm trying to remember what e3 is that what it's called the big the big uh, game convention here in la and uh we went there and we were having lunch and this is after I I'd done, I had like a week or two on Skyrim recording a bazillion different characters and we're eating lunch and I'm looking up at this, this thing next to us, there's three giant buildings and across the three giant buildings is this giant billboard. And it's got this guy with a shield and a sword. And I thought, oh, this is going to be some Spartan movie or something like that. And then I look up and I said, oh, crap, it's Skyrim. I had no friggin' idea this thing was as huge as it was. I had no idea. And that was that's another just ginormous game that just blew up and went crazy so oh, yeah there's there's still I, th I think they're still putting it out on on other consoles because it's, it's still wow. successful still making a lot of money i've got to do i i don't have anything for skyrim when i go to conventions i should get something together with a few of my more popular characters on there but uh that, that was it was a crazy it was a lot of fun to record that we had a blast doing it so really fun uh, do you have a lot of people that bring you at conventions, bring you fan art or fan mail or, you know, or, yes. or merchandise? They're like, hey, I made this they, for you. Do you, do you, do you they take do. it? Unfortunately, they, they want to keep it all, those bastards. So they'll, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll just have me sign it and then they'll take it away from me. Some of the nice ones, they'll do duplicates for me and let me keep it. So that's nice. I, I've had, over the years, I've had a lot of people do uh, uh really cool uh, artwork and uh, you know just incredible stuff i had i had one girl do like a five foot tall uh bateau that she made a doll a five foot tall doll of bateau which was you know i it was insane you know i, I had no way of bringing that back with me unfortunately but uh uh it was uh, it was very sweet i mean people really you know do really sweet things and and they're really like i say they're very uh, moved or impacted by your character and they want to they want to give back to you, and I think that's very sweet, and I and I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, that is awesome. Now, do you get a lot of the promotional stuff too from the companies, like when the new games come out, or 
you know, sometimes not as much as you would think, to be honest with you. Every once in a while, uh, there was a thing that was uh, was going on for a while, and they've stopped doing it. I, I don't know. If the, everybody blames COVID for everything, but, uh, you know, maybe it is COVID. I don't know. But they used to give us <laughs> a copy of the game at the end. Some of them, not all of them, but, you know, maybe maybe, I don't know, uh, let's say two out of 10 of the companies would do that. And uh, it was nice. Or, you know, every once in a while you get a t-shirt or something like that, which is kind of cool. But it doesn't happen very often. I think we got some swag from, uh, from Cora. I can't remember what it was, but we got some stuff from them. And it's, you know, it's always fun. Listen, a coffee mug or something, you know, it's always, because it's a nice reminder of your time on the show. And I just, I think it's really nice when, when people do that, uh, do that kind of stuff. When I, when I did a movie, I did a movie called Memoirs of an Invisible Man that was on camera with Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah and and Sam Hill. They gave, they, they gave us jackets with the logo on the back and they gave us mugs and they gave us a briefcase with the logo on it. And that was very cool. And I just, you know, obviously that's a you know big major motion picture. That's a little different thing, but uh, uh, you know, the games uh, rarely give you stuff, which is uh, kind of sad, but um, I've done a couple of uh, uh, interviews and articles for uh, some magazines. I did one for the Joker for the uh, 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 what are they called? Uh, is it, is it Showtime? They did make the uh, the figures. You know what I'm talking about. Is it, is it the, the Hot Toys? No, it's called something with show in it, like Showtime or Sideshow. Uh, and is it Sideshow? Could side be show side. They, they make the figures. Yeah, maybe no, the, the Sideshow, the, the twelve inch, or yeah, lar- yeah. it's kind of larger. It might be yeah. Sideshow. Yeah, I think it was Sideshow. So they have a magazine that they put out, and uh, I did a. I did a thing of uh, the Joker for for them, and they sent me. Uh, it's about uh, the thing must be about uh, two three feet tall of the Joker, which I thought was really cool. And I've got it in my office here. It's really cool. Let me see if I can bring him over here real quick so you can see him. So here he is. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think that is a sideshow right there. See how big he is. Whoa, really, that is cool. really big. So that's pretty cool. And then uh, they gave me. He's got two heads, one with with a hat, one without a hat. And then, uh, you know, I've just I've got a bunch of toys over the years, and uh, it's just fun. Here's here I'll show you. This is something a fan sent to me. This is Ansem. Oh wow! This is Ansem, and this guy made this for me. Oh wow! Holy crap! So, that is so he, uh, yeah, so he put this all together. And uh, sent it to me, which I thought was pretty amazing. That was pretty cool. I thought I like I like that kind of stuff. That was really neat. wow. That is I've awesome. Got, I've got a ton of. Uh, I've got Joseph Joestar. I've got uh, Bobo Bo. I've got Bateaus. I've got uh, Jigans. I've got just a bunch of. Uh, I've got Raidens. I got a bunch of Raiden stuff. I just uh, you know a bunch of stuff that uh, you know that I've collected over the years. That uh, my wife hates and wants me to get rid of all the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're both collectors, so we and we we totally understand that. <laughs> it was actually rearranging. Yeah, the yeah she, she's night. already made made one big sweep. Huh? Oh, I was just saying. I was like, she's already made one big sweep in my office. <laughs> I was rearranging my shelf what? yesterday, and my uh, my fiance is just like, would you would you come back over here? I'm just. <laughs> 
I had a, I, I got I got one of the new uh, one of the newer Luke Kang figures in yesterday. So I was I was rearranging my entire Mortal Kombat shelf, and nice. She, she's just looking at me like I'm crazy. Like is this is what you spend your money on? <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't get it. Oh, believe me, it's gonna get worse when you get married. Believe me. <laughs> oh yeah. But see, and my fiance, she's into the pops, and I'm into like me and him are into the the expensive figures, and she's like wait a minute, you just spent like $50 on a figure. I'm like, hey, you can't say anything. You just bought like 13 different pops. <laughs> it's the same so amount, the even Funko though pops? I got two figures. Yeah, she's a big Funko popper. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me to uh, to bring those. And I there's a lot of them of Raiden and the Joker, obviously, and a few of the other characters, Bato. And, uh, but it's just, it's, you know, it's hard because we, you know, we travel to these conventions and we bring, yeah, gotta bring so much crap with you to begin with, you know, so... It's just hard to be to schlep all the, the Funko Pops. They take up a lot of room in your luggage, you know. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll get a few of them and see how it goes. But usually people have them or they buy them at the convention from the dealer room, and then they come over and have me sign them for them. Oh yeah, usually are like if it would be an easier buck for you if you sign them beforehand, and then you could sell them for the hundred bucks that they go for online. Because she showed me, I'm like. I thought my stuff was expensive. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's really kind of crazy. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you too, because it's something, because we're both in voice. I'm actually developing a show now that um, uh -huh. an animation to do voiceover. Cause I was like, I know it's hard to get in there and I'm, you know, talk to guys like you and kind of get advice, how to get my foot in the door. So I was like, well, I'll make a show and put myself in it. And the same as him. Cause we're both, we're both do voices and stuff. And yeah. And so, uh, one thing I want to, to ask you. Oh yeah, so one thing I want to ask you: if you're uh, that, I always thought I wanted to do as a voice actor because I do the voices too. Um, have you had like a kid or somebody in a store with a figure or something that has your character, and you kind of just you're in your incognito because they don't know it's you, and kind of done the voice, and they turn around like, "Wait a minute, I didn't know this toy talked." Have you done anything like that? Um, I had a couple of instances where I uh, I was at. Uh actually had an audition at uh, Fox studio and I was, I was running a little late and I, I, you know, they have these guys on bicycles that deliver the mail and all that. So I asked one of the guys, I said, Hey, can you tell me where building G is? And he said, wait a minute, say that again. I said, can you tell me where building G is? He goes, are you Bateau? I said, yeah. I am. <laughs> so he recognized my voice. He goes, can you sign my, uh... I said, okay. So I signed something. For him. I said, now can you tell me where building G is? I'm late. And then another time I was I was in a, a Costco and a guy was wearing a, a Bato t-shirt. And I said, Hey, I'm the I'm the voice of Bato and goes to the shell. And he kind of gave me one of these, like, yeah, right, buddy. And I walked <laughs> behind him and I said, Major Kuzanagi, section nine. And he like, he just like went, Oh my God. And he like flipped out. So that was kind of fun. That is awesome. Uh, I know uh, Jess Harnell has a horror story about that. And I think it was like Six Flags, and some kid was like, he's like, Oh, I like your wacko shirt. And he was like, I'm actually the guy. And he was like, no, you're not. And he was like, yeah, look, my business card. He's like, I had a picture of me and Wacko. And he's like, yeah, see, I'm the guy. And he was like, do the voice. And he did it. And the kid was like, I can do it better than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, uh, I have a lot of people come up to me and, uh, and try to, uh, impersonate my characters to me, which I think is kind of bizarre <laughs> to tell you the truth, but, uh, they, they do it a lot. And, in fact, I had one guy who interviewed me who uh, on one of these shows, and he was basically they spent the entire time uh, impersonating my characters to me. And I go, okay, it was kind of it was kind of surreal and weird, but uh, okay. But uh, yeah, it happens, you know. They they uh, 
I don't know. People people get it in their head that this is really an easy uh, way to make a living or something. I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, I think a lot of people feel like they can do it, and and uh, and perhaps they can. But uh, you know, there's a lot of people that really can't do it, but they they feel like they can. They go, what what's to it? You just you go in and you read a script. Well, it's a little more involved than oh, that. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. You have it's, to create it's a character. Yeah, you have to. Oh act. yeah. To, it's it's acting know, it's, in itself. And some people, you know, uh, and some people have great voices and they say, you know, people tell me I should uh, do voiceover and all that, whatever. And I said, yeah, you do have a great voice. But the question is, can you read or can you act? And sometimes I'll uh, I'll get some of these guys in the booth and they'll just be terrible. It's just like, you know, it sounds like they're reading, a, you know, a third grade uh, primary or something. Like that, that, but, you know, it's like, no, you got to bring it to life. It's got to sound natural and real like it's happening for the first time. You know, and you got to really bring that to life. It, uh, it's not as easy as it sounds, you know. Oh, yeah. And can, can you talk about that experience? Because I know, especially with video games, like I had somebody, I was watching a documentary and they're like, yeah, a lot of people think they can just voice video games. But like, not only can you stay in this character, but like doing a video game, can you scream blood curling screams for four hours straight without yeah, ruining yeah. your vocal cords? Can you Probably tell the experience about that? Like how, how you prepare your voice or if you're going in to do like a, a screaming? Well, anytime I go to do it, anytime I go in to do any voice work, I, I warm my voice up. You have to warm your voice up and you've got to go through a lot of different, uh, you know, you go through different things that you do uh, to warm your voice, your lips, your, your get your tongue working, get all that stuff warmed up. So you're not, you know, you're not going to scream on a, on a, you know, a, a throat that's not ready. And the other thing is, you know, you learn how to scream without hurting yourself. And one of the things you do is you don't you don't clench your throat, which is the natural way to scream. Most people would when they scream, they would clench their throat. So you have to scream with relaxing your throat. And also you have to uh, drink a lot of water while you're in there. And also you need to use this stuff which a lot of us voice actors use. I'll give it a plug. They should they should uh, actually send me bottles of this. I plug this stuff all the time. But this stuff I found out uh, by uh, Fred Tattashore, who does the voice of the Hulk. And he's always screaming his butt off. So he told me about this stuff. It's called Nin Geom Pi Pa Ko. Okay? Nin Geom Pi Pa Ko. I probably I probably cocked that all up. But anyway, uh, it's it's Chinese uh, cough syrup. And it's made with there's no narcotic or anything. And it. it's just made with basically uh, honey and um, uh, lychee juice, you know, lychee nut juice. And for some reason, it's got a good thickness and it coats your throat. So what you do is when you go in here and you have to do what we call vocally stressful work, which is screaming, you take a little swig of it between each take and it just coats your throat and protects your vocal cords. Uh, but the other thing is you you have to make sure you, you don't clench your throat because that's when people get nodes and that's when you can hurt yourself. Uh, so you have to know how to do this stuff and how to scream. And honestly, doing that kind of stuff is is the the most grueling and the toughest part of being a voice actor is the screaming you know you do a do a uh, a game like uh call of duty so call of duty you're basically just screaming the entire time it's all just screaming because you're on the battlefield and bombs are going off and tanks are going by so you're basically screaming so it is four hours of literally screaming everything 
So when you do that, you want to, you want to have a little bit of this stuff uh, and it just kind of coats your throat and it, it, it works really well, but you still need to know how to, how to scream without hurting yourself. Yeah, I know. I think uh, the late, amazing Kevin Conroy said when he did the initial, uh, you also need to think about when you do your auditions, when he initially did the Batman voice, he wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to do this for a long term, as long as he did. And he was like, I had to figure out a way to do that same voice at the same level that I gave them in the audition without ruining my vocal cords. Have you ran into anything like that in your career? Well, I think the older I get and the longer I've been in this business, I kind of realize that. And uh, you, when you audition something, you want to make sure that it's something you can replicate and uh, keep going for a long period of time without killing yourself. So, you know, sometimes there are there are choices that you make, and uh, and you know, it just depends. But uh, that that is a, a a real concern. Yeah, would you be a musician too? I yeah. know Charlie Adler says that what he does is if he's going like if he's going from you know Burbank to you know the the two hour drive. I can't remember where he said where he the city he said, but the two the hour and a half drive into the studios, he does he sings an hour going in and then sings an hour going back home to kind of warm his voice up doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I do that too. Um, I have some exercise, exercises that I do that I've been doing for, for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just things to get, get you warmed up and going and, uh, and you look ridiculous doing them. And sometimes I'll be driving down the street and I'll be doing it. And people look at me like, what the fuck is that guy? doing?" <laughs> you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I don't care cause it's my job. So. It's like uh, D and, you know, and uh, Steve Bloom. Have you guys, have you thought about, you know, putting some of the tips and stuff into like a book or kind of giving some of your tips to people who are wanting to do kind of so they know the pre preparation stuff? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, I, I rarely uh, teach every once in a while for this group called Strawberry Hill Music. They, they have me on every once in a while. And I, uh, it's just hard to do for me because I'm so busy all of the time, to be honest with you. I know Steve uh, Bloom does do some stuff where he he gives tips. And I believe Dee Bradley Baker also has a site that you can go on that he gives uh, good tips to. And, uh, you know, all, the, all that stuff's helpful and all of it's good. But, uh, you know, you just have to really uh, before you before you start auditioning for projects, you got to make sure you're you're competitive. And I think that's where a lot of people uh, fall down is they they feel like they can do it or they're ready and they go in and they're not ready. And you're competing against these people that are pretty damn good. So, you know, you have to remember that you want to be competitive when you go in, because if you suck on your audition, the the casting people and the directors remember that and they won't invite you back. But if you do a good job and even if you're not right for that part, they may remember you for something else. So, you know, you want to you want to make sure you put your best foot forward when you go in and make sure that you're competitive. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, at the very least, take some classes, uh, you know, try to become the best actor you can be. Read out loud every day, because, as I said earlier, we don't get to see these scripts till we go into the booth. So if you if you are not a great reader, a great sight reader, that's going to screw your whole thing up. So you want to be able to just read stuff and just bring it right off the page and make it come alive without even having to worry about it. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, 
guys like us, uh, you know, Bloom and D and I have been doing this for a long, long time. We're, we're great at that stuff. We've been doing it a long time. And so for us, it's, you know, it's second nature. So, but for most people, it's not second nature. And even I've had to direct some uh, celebrities and people that are, you know, pretty famous or well-known or good actors that get in the booth and just suck because it's a very different style of acting. It's not the same. So, you know, it's a different style and you have to realize because a lot of film actors, they're acting with their eyes, you know, they could be acting their ass off, but the microphone's not going to pick up your eyes. I don't care what you're doing with your eyes. You know what I mean? It's, it's about your voice when you're in the booth. So uh, it's a different, it's a whole different thing, you know, basically. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about uh, like regular actors, they go into the booth and they treat it like it's, you know, like it's a film set. So they're actually walking around a lot and uh, you know, like their voice isn't, or, or, you know, they're not at the microphone so it's it's like all over the place as far yeah, as the those people are terrible right <laughs> i've had to direct a few of those so what you go in there you 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 take a, a nail and a hammer and you nail their feet down in front of the microphone <laughs> and then they can't move or these people that they'll clap you know during the thing it's like no dude everything you do and say in there the mic picks up <laughs> you know they don't they just don't get it it's a very different style of of uh of acting you know it's like uh and here's the problem too. You got you got producers who want to, you know, they want to bring in the big stars because they have marquee value, which I can understand. You know, listen, that's how some projects get greenlit. But uh, you bring in somebody who's never done this stuff before, and they're generally not very good at it. You know, it just because you're a dancer doesn't, you know, if you're a kabuki dancer doesn't mean you can do ballet, and vice versa. It's a very different style. So, uh, you know, it's. Since I've done a lot of stuff, I've done stage, I've done film, I've done, you know, voice work. Uh, it, I always feel like uh, I can help them no matter what their situation is. And if if we get these uh, these film actors or TV actors in there that just don't realize what it is, then I have to kind of give them a little pep talk and kind of get them focused on, on doing more of a vocal thing and uh, explain to them that the mic's not getting there, all of their their nuance through their eyes because we're not filming it you know it's it's being recorded and they'll sound really flat and terrible if you just take a real low-key natural performance depending on the project of course but you know in in general i'm generalizing uh if you do that it's it's gonna it's gonna be really lackluster and terrible when you animate to it you know so Oh, yeah. And a question I've always wondered, I know there's the ADR, but have you guys ever had a situation where they just couldn't get the the, you know, the celebrity to do the character the way they want it? So what they, did they have you ever had it where they keep the name because they did do a part of it, but bring somebody like you or, you know, or Rob yeah. to come in and replace the lines, but still use their name and try to give you all a smaller credit or not credit yep. you at all? Have that ever happened? Yeah, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it's just one of those things. So some, some of these actors just cannot do this stuff. And then some of them have really a hard time with like efforts and uh, uh, reactions and that sort of thing. So I've been hired on many different movies uh, to come in and do, uh, like I was on uh, a Deadpool. I did Deadpool one and two and did a lot of the, reactions and efforts for a lot of the characters on there because whoever was voicing them couldn't do it and uh you know it, it's happened on a lot of shows i've had to replace 
Uh, I replaced Lou Ferrigno's voice and Sinbad. I redid the whole movie and replaced his voice, which I, I know he wasn't too thrilled about, but, uh, you know, they hired me. I, I went and did the job, so take it up with them. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen like that. And uh, sometimes uh, it happens because the actor can't do it. But sometimes it also happens because the actor is unavailable and maybe the actor will have a line or two, but they're not available. Maybe they're shooting a movie in, you know, East bumfuck and they can't get back in time to do, uh, <laughs> you know, to do the line. So, so we, uh, we go in and we do the line for them, you know, and we do a sound, you know, a sound match. And I've done a bunch of that stuff as well. Oh yeah. Like I've heard too, that like for toy story, when they can't get Tom Hanks or they don't want to fly him in for the, six million dollars they'll get his brother jim hanks to come in and he literally does a spot yeah. on tom and he'll replay they'll get him to do his yeah. lines because it's cheaper to get jim than it is to fly tom back in for to do a retake of one line yeah there's a there's a few of those guys that do that that have their brothers do their do their uh lines for them and they make they make good money doing it they pay him well to do that and that's you know that's a good way to keep it in the family i guess you know so now on the flip side of that have you guys ever had you know where basically like they didn't get the the actor just couldn't do it at all and they they didn't they just replaced them completely with an actual voice actor instead of an on-camera person yeah. has that happened have you seen that happen yeah, before that too where they're like you know what we're just going to get the guys who know what they're doing yeah yeah well that's what they should have done to begin with so exactly yeah. <laughs> you know it's it, honestly you know, I think in many ways, the voice actors are really, really terrific. And, you know, this, and there's been some wonderful uh, stars and uh, like all the uh, Pixar stuff. Those guys have been great. They they do a wonderful job. But there's other, there's other shows that, honestly, do you think the care, the kids give a crap if it's a big star doing the voice or not? They don't care. They just, they see the character. They hear the voice. They don't care if it's, you know, uh, whoever it is. Uh, so, um I think sometimes it's kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, it makes them feel better, I guess. Well, yeah, I and I know that's why a lot of the times when they get a series made from a movie, they'll bring in, you know, guys like you guys come in and do, you know, a retake of the character where it sounds like the actor. But like you said, the kids don't know the difference between, you know, Will Smith and Kevin Michael Richardson, you know. So they'll bring Kevin in to do the well, character least... that he did in the movie. At least you know Kevin's not going to slap you in the face, so that's yes. <laughs> Kevin's a lovely guy. He's, he's really a great guy. So one thing I wanted to uh, ask you too that I, I just thought about too that I always ask every person because I know different you know different people for different fames and different you know I've talked to musicians, I've talked to voice actors, I've talked to different people you know, that the different famos, how was it for you, you know, seeing these, like you said, you saw the thousands of people, how was that, you know, impacting you and like from a, like the mental health side of, you know, being a well-known voice actor, how was that, you know, for the mental health, you know, the, the struggle of, you know, that fame, how was that, you know, what is your perspective of that? Um, I, I kind of got a little bit of that because you kept going in and out on me, but, uh, um, let me see if I understand the question. How is, how does being having fame from being a voice actor affect your mental health? Is that what you're asking me? Or like a, just the, you know, like the different level, you know, like people knowing these characters and like how impact, like how has that impacted you? Like, you know, 
Like, you know, just oh. know the, the seeing the impact that you've had on people's lives like that. Oh, I, I think it's great. I, like I say, if, if, uh, if anything that I've done that people can appreciate and enjoy, if it's given them any relief from life, you know, life is not always easy. And if there's something that I've been a part of that they've, uh, they've enjoyed and they, that has helped them get through the day, then, then I feel great about that. Uh, you know, uh, on the other hand, um, you know, the, the one good thing about being a famous voice actor is that not that many people recognize you when you're out and about, you know, when you're at a restaurant or whatever. So you don't get a lot of people who come up to you, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll have somebody come up and ask me something. But most of the time, it's not like if you're Brad Pitt, you go into a restaurant, everybody recognizes you and bugs the crap out of you so you can't even enjoy your meal. But, uh, uh, you know, we don't uh, have that dilemma. So in a way, it's kind of a nice uh, double-edged sword in that uh, we're able to work and, and actually have notoriety and celebrity. But at the same time, we can keep our uh, anonymity as well. So that's kind of nice. Awesome. I'm just glad to hear that. Like I said, it's, 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 I know it's that, uh, that superpower. I know that, like I said, you can tell I love Rob. Rob says it has that thing too. You know, he talks about the same thing where they go into him and Maurice LaMarche go to a restaurant and they can all have lunch and then they'll, they'll see like a, somebody have a pinky in the brain shirt on and they'll just turn that superpower on and they go from quintessential nobody, you know, middle-aged white guys to, oh my God, you're the voices of my childhood. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's true. And it's fun. You know, listen, it's fun when uh, people get excited when they meet you. And, you know, we've had uh, a few uh, teary eyed, uh, you know, uh, people show up and, and uh, they really get, uh, they really get swept up by it. So it's really kind of nice. And it's nice that you can, you can move people like that with your, with your performance. Oh, yeah. And it's one reason I always tell people like I do this podcast, it's not just to, yes, I'd love to make money friends, but it's just, you know, getting to talk to, you know, the people that made and voiced the characters that I fell in love with that, you know, got me through hard times. And, you know, I made me, you know, you know, enjoy the things that were made, you know, getting to talk to you guys and getting to know you and becoming friends with you guys, you know, oh, that's, that is, that's why I love doing this. And, you know, that same thing. Well, let me ask you guys who of my my characters that I voice and I've done over 1200 who who are some of your favorites that uh, that I've done that you like I think mine's obvious <laughs> you what? I, I think mine's a little obvious but I'm a big Mortal Kombat man so I, oh Mortal Kombat yeah I, I love love your take on Raiden hell I love uh, I love your take on Joker as well you. Uh, you know it's like I said you have such a such a unique voice and you know you were talking about how you know, so many people said that you sounded like Mark. I don't think that you do at all. I think that you oh, bring your you. own thing to the table, and I love thank hearing you. it whenever you know, whenever you do it. And I agree with you. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear that that take on the Joker in a series or something one day. That yeah, that's thank great. You. Yeah, thank same you. I here. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're both we're both huge Mortal Kombat. Like I said, I knew it from my older siblings because we're both in our late twenties, and uh, you know, from our older siblings. But then he introduced me to Mortal Kombat, so I fell in love with Raiden yeah. and. We used to fight over who would be Raiden, who would get Scorpion, because <laughs> we love both of those. It's like, okay, I'll take Raiden this time. You take Scorpion, then we'll switch. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Raiden and That's Noob Cybot guy myself. So, which That's I don't awesome. know if you can see in the back with the the lighting. It's near. I just want to adjust it. We actually uh, he has a 
the they actually has writing on it over here if you can see it with the, with the all, all i see is like a big white blur yeah it was, i was having i was having difficulties putting the screen up so everything is just makeshift back here right now and i just put like a big arcade one up uh, for mk2 okay. back here it's got it's got writing on it so and right. I, you know it's it, it's i'll believe, it, for me, I'll believe it's, you if, for me it's, it's just really cool because you know you've been you've been the definitive voice for Raiden for so long now you know since MK versus DC because you know even you know before then if you, if you heard Raiden in the games like in story mode a lot of times it was the developers just doing voices yeah so then that one you know they, they started getting an actual voice cast and yeah. it's, it's just cool to me that, that, that they've kept you for this long and um, yeah, definitely well, looking it's forward cool to me more. too <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I hope they continue to keep me. Uh, I would love to keep doing him. I definitely agree He's, because I love your take on him. Thank you. Raiden and Joker are two of my my all-time favorite characters. They really are. So I love doing them. And I love working with those guys. Uh, NetherRealm is a, is a great company. They're just, uh, I think they're, every game, the, uh, the animation and illustrations are just phenomenal. I mean, they're just, they look amazing. They just do a great job, you know. So I kind of wanted to just uh, while before I go, I want to just tell you a couple of uh, of my uh, things that are coming up. So uh, this weekend, which I'll be in Toronto, Canada, at Anime North, which is in Toronto, Canada. That'll be the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth of of May. And then let's see, in June, we got something for every month practically. In June, the 16th through the 18th, I'll be at Anime Fest Orlando in Florida. So please come by and say hello. And uh, let's see, what else we got? Let's see, we get July. July, uh, the 21st through the 23rd, I'll be in Connecticut at a convention called Connecticon. So that'll be the 21st through the 23rd of July. And then let's see, what is that? Um, then we're going to August. August, uh, August uh, 31st through September 3rd, I'll be at SabatonCon in Phoenix, Arizona. And let's see, where else am I going? And then the 29th of September through October 1st, I'll be at TigerCon in Georgia. All right. So is there anything else you want to ask? Uh, or, um, I'll let you go you, first. You had a book as well. Um, did you want to, uh, do you have the title for the book yet? Or did, did you want to hold off on plugging that as uh, well? Yeah, I'm going to hold off on plugging that. I just want to get that completely finished before I haven't, because I, as I told you, my they they stole my title right. from me. Right. I have to come up with a new title, and honestly, that was like the perfect title for my book. So, uh, I, it's going to be hard to come up with something else. But I'm going to have to, uh, I have to percolate over it and see what I can come up with. Yeah, just uh, like I said, we got email, so let me know when you have that, and like I said, I'll bring you back on, and we'll promote that as well. 
Awesome. That'd be great. So the one last thing I want to ask you, so what is some, you know, just some overall, I know you gave some advice earlier. What is the overall you know, advice you can give someone who's either looking to get into the industry or getting to doing, you know, acting or voice acting or, or doing the directing side of voice acting? What is some advice you can give to them? Well, the best advice I can give you is try to be the best actor you can be. And uh, I would take some classes on voice acting with legitimate people. Be very careful who you take classes from. Make sure they're legitimate people that have actual credits and not some, you know, Joe Schmo from Kokomo who's like trying to do some uh, class and charge a ridiculous amount of money with no credits. There's some woman in Florida who charges like five grand to do her class and she has zero credits. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's like, uh, don't study with this person. They're just ripping you off. Um, anyway, uh, you got to check them out, see what they've done and make sure they're legitimate. Number one, then take some classes. And, uh, I would, uh, you know, if, if it were me, I would, I would audition for plays. I would do some plays. I would do cold readings. I would do, uh, some, uh, radio uh, plays, you know, read together with a group. I would do whatever I could to become a better actor. And, uh, and then I would, uh, read out loud every day, particularly if that's a stumbling block for you, I would, I would do that. And then I would, uh, you know, there's places you can find out, uh, first of all, there's agents in every state of the union. So there's agents that do voice over, uh, uh, representation that you can find you can always uh write to screen actors guild in hollywood and ask them for a list of, of voiceover agents and then once you do your class you want to put together a little demo and demo should be no longer than a minute a minute and a half at the most there's four different kinds of demos there's commercial copy there's promo there's trailer and then there's what i do which is animation so uh you uh each one of those, you don't want to go longer than a minute, a minute and a half. So get some different copy and read it and get somebody to record them, put music to them and edit them together so it sounds professional and get it where you feel it's really good and competitive and then start sending it out to some agents and see if they'll represent you. Once the agents like you, if they represent you, they'll start sending you auditions and you start reading for auditions and hopefully you'll book some and you'll start working. And that's the way it works. I appreciate right. it. Thank you so much for coming on. We have enjoyed the laughs, the stories. It was, it was awesome. My so how was your experience with your uh, first interview of a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was very insightful. Good. Yeah, he was, he was nervous. I was like, dude, it, my show is so relaxed. I'm not like everybody else. I was like, and <laughs> most people, nervous. as you can tell, most people are not assholes who I get. Like Richard is an amazing guy. You're awesome. Uh, well, you're a voice actor that I look up to. And, and mostly more than anything, I just wanted to take in information and your advice and all that as well so oh thank you i appreciate that all right uh, everyone that's going to be another episode of the phantom squad podcast would you like to share our outro we always say enjoy the madness enjoy the madness